Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So I got into some really bad habits as a young parent. And when my kids were young, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, whenever we would handle a big crisis issue, like having a pop with dinner or cleaning your room on Saturday or spending the night at a friend's house, whenever a big issue would come up, my kids would do what we naturally do as humans. They would raise their voice. And what would I do? I would raise my voice. And then they would raise their voice some more and I would raise my voice some more. And I got into a really bad habit of speaking loudly and even yelling at my kids. And one day it just hit me like a lightning bolt. Why am I allowing the least emotionally mature people in my house to set the tone and the rules for how we do conflict? Now, I don't mean that as an insult to my kids because they have grown to be mature people, but, but at that point they were the least emotionally mature people in the house. Why am I letting them set the tone for how we do disagreement? So I started practicing something that whenever they would raise their voice and get louder, I would lower my voice and I'd get softer. As they would speak faster and faster, I would speak slower and slower. It's interesting. It gave me a way of controlling my emotions because I just focused on controlling my voice and I started calling it my barbecue voice, low and slow. There's something in that. Hang on to that for just a moment. So we're beginning a teaching series now on anger. And I want you to remember some of the groundwork that we laid last week that, that anger is the unfairness emotion. We say something's wrong with the world. And, and I have this response, I have this negative response against something that is wrong with the world. It's wrong and it matters to me. So we defined anger as this unfairness emotion and looking at Jesus as an example. He gives us an example of how to be good and angry. Okay, Jesus is angry for the right reasons. You know, we need to ask ourselves the question, does this really matter or is this just about me? Am I angry because this is an injustice or because it's inconvenient for me? Jesus was angry with the right reactions. In other words, our anger is always meant to be a tool, not a weapon. It's meant to be constructive and not destructive. And then Jesus was angry with the right results. It ended up in the healing of a person and so I think we need to always be looking at what is anger producing in my life? Is it producing something good or bad? Am I just offering my opinion or am I willing to offer my example of how we should live in the world? So as we go through the scripture, and by the way, I believe we are given two great tools in learning to manage this emotion and every other area of our life. We're given the scripture. We're given the scripture to look to and say, what does God have to say to us about any particular issue? And it just so happens we're dealing with anger right now. The other resource that we're given is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in us, because we're not talking about behavior modification. We're talking about character transformation, that the Holy Spirit gets inside of us and begins to change who we are, okay? Um, that character modification, that, excuse me, that character transformation requires that we listen to the low, 
slow voice of God. I'm absolutely convinced as the world gets louder, we as Christians need to listen more carefully to the low, slow voice of God. So we're gonna start at the beginning today. We're gonna look at, here in the next few months, several people who handled their anger, sometimes well, sometimes not. But we're gonna start at the beginning today in Genesis chapter four. In fact, uh, whenever I go into Genesis, I always say we need to stop and appreciate creation for just a moment. If you had a standard ruler that represented our solar system, the sun would be like a 12-point font period at the end of that ruler. And on that same scale, our entire Milky Way galaxy would be represented by the Pacific Ocean. That's, that's the scale of our just one galaxy. And hopefully you've seen pictures already of the James Webb Telescope. In fact, I looked at a picture this morning of uh, what's called the Stefan Quintet, five galaxies that seem to be in this eternal dance with one another. It's absolutely amazing to think about the scope of creation. So God created everything, including you and me, and he created us for a relationship with him. And what we have in the book of Genesis is a series of firsts. The first humans, Adam and Eve. Now, not the only humans, but the first. The first sin that broke that relationship with God and how that affected and infected everything. The first uh, marriage, the first child that's born, and the first occupations, and the first mention of anger in the Bible, which happens to be in a family. Now, I find that curious that the first mention of anger in the Bible is in a family, and here's where I think we need to stop and listen to that low, slow voice of God. Someone once said rightly that family is the school of relationships. That's the first place we begin to learn about relationships. And on that measure, many of us have flunked out. Listen, God has given us a family to learn how to do relationships. And everyone has family. I know family is sometimes they're the easiest to offend and they're the hardest to forgive. But maybe today you need to listen to that low, slow voice of God who's instructing you to reconcile a relationship with somebody in your family, and that's possible. It's possible that you can reconcile without resolving the issue, whatever has divided you. You can say, that issue's a big deal, but it's not as important as our relationship, so we're gonna set that aside because we may not agree on this issue, but we agree that this relationship is important. God has put us together, let's restore this relationship. Would you just listen? to the voice of God and what he might be saying to you about your family today. So here's that first mention of anger in the entire Bible. Again, it's among family. And it says this in Genesis chapter four, verse one. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And that's what his name means. With the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Cain is a word that means to bring forth. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. That word Abel means vapor. It means uh, mist. Uh, evidently, it seems something that very early in life, um, Abel would be the first person in the Bible 
who would experience living a shortened life, never reaching his full age and his full potential. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. So here you have two brothers, even though they were raised in the same home, they're very different. Which if you've raised kids, you know that's not anything unusual. And it just so happens that Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer. And I think here's the first big thing we need to learn about anger. Don't be angry at somebody. Don't hate somebody just because they are different from you. Don't be angry at somebody. Don't hate somebody just because they look different, because they have a different skin color, because they talk a different language, because they vote differently than you are. It's so easy to say, if somebody's not exactly like me, then they are wrong. If you do that, you are condemning yourself to a lifetime of anger. In this worship center several years ago, I did a a wedding for a Hmong family, a Hmong couple. The Hmong are a people group from Southwest China. There's several hundred thousands here in the United States and a thriving community in the Minneapolis area. And this particular couple had a lot of family here in Tulsa, so they decided to do their wedding here. Wonderful Christian couple. They knew Christ. They were committing their lives to one another and to Him, and it was a privilege to do this, this wedding for this couple And when the bride walked in and walked down the center aisle, there were probably 400 other Hmong people in this room, and every single one of them was holding up a cell phone, recording, and taking flash pictures of this important moment. It stressed me to no end. My tradition, my upbringing says, you know, there's a time to put down your cameras and just be present in the moment. But I promise you, every person had their camera out. They were taking pictures, taking video. It started stressing me out, and then I looked at the bride, And she was perfectly happy. It didn't bother her at all. And I had to remember this is not my day, it's her day. And if it doesn't bother her, if this is her culture, I just need to let that go. And I did, and it was a wonderful ceremony. But I had to stop myself from being angry just because somebody did something different than me. Well, who made me the authority, right? So if you're going to go around being angry at everyone who's different from you, you will make your life miserable. And maybe Cain and Abel had that rub. Maybe there's a little bit of tension that was already growing there. So in the course of time, Cain brought some fruits from the soil as an offering to the Lord. This is the first time sacrifices are mentioned in the Bible as well. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the first part of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, the Lord did not look with favor. And so Cain and Abel here do what um, I think was expected of both of them, that they brought something from their produce, Cain from the fields and Abel from his flocks, and they brought it to the Lord. But there seems to be a disconnect. There seems to be an inequality here to their gifts that Abel, God was pleased with his offering, and he posted it to social media, and he said, hashtag, God love my offering, hashtag, too blessed to be stressed. And Cain read about this, and somehow he knew God wasn't pleased with his offering. Now, that's going to give rise to the anger here. But let me stop for just a moment and talk about giving to the Lord. I have a pretty simple understanding of generosity in our lives. I think that generosity, giving to the Lord, and I would encourage you if you're not tithing, to tithe. I think it's just one of the very simple, basic things we do. If we say we love God with our mouths, I think we ought to say that the same with what we value the most, and that would include our money. If we're not willing to say it with our resources, we might not really believe it. 
But I, I think that, that generosity just meets some very basic criteria. That generosity is an expression of faith. It's saying, you know, I, I, God has given me this, and so I'm going to give some of it away. It's an expression of a lack of fear. That we don't live on a scarcity principle. We're not worried about not having enough. We're going to give to God, and He will make sure there's enough. I believe that generosity begets generosity. As we practice generosity, other people see that, and generosity is very contagious. Here's also two more things I believe. That generosity is a duty and a delight. Now, to be quite honest, when I started in my journey with Jesus and giving, it was all about duty. Well, I guess this is what He's commanded. I need to do this. But over time, it's become more of a delight. And maybe that was the difference between Cain and Abel. And we can't say for sure because we're not told. Maybe Abel had discovered it is a delight to give to God. And Abel was just doing it because he had to. There seems to be no indication there's a difference between their offerings, either in the quality or the quantity, but it was probably what was in their hearts that made the difference. So it was Basil Hume. He was the leader of English Catholics back in the day. And... Uh, when he was a kid, he would sneak into the cookie jar, you know, and he would snatch a cookie, and every now and then his mom would catch him, and, and she would say, God's going to get you for this. Growing up years later, he looked back on that, and he said, you know, I think I'm going to stand before God one day, and we'll talk about the cookie jar, and God will say, why didn't you take two cookies while you were there? You know, I think we'll get to the end of life. And we and the Lord will agree, say, why, why, do we not, why do we just give what we gave? Why didn't we give more? Why didn't we practice more generosity? Why couldn't we get to that place that giving to God was not a duty? It was an absolute delight. So somehow Cain figures it out. That God loved Abel's offering, but his was lacking. And here's what happens next. So Cain, and this is verse 5 of Genesis 4. So Cain became very angry, and his face was downcast. Here's the first mention of that word angry in the entire Bible. And in the Hebrew, it literally translates as hot in the face. Isn't it interesting how we still associate anger with, with temperature? You know, we get hot under the collar or we get steamed, but it was hot in the face to him, and he was angry. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Now, here's where I kind of imagine part of the dialogue, you know, uh, Cain, are you angry? No, I'm not angry. Well, yes, he is. And I think that's one thing that we need to pay attention to. And one of the reasons we make ourselves more angry is we're just not willing to admit it. Again, would you listen to that low, slow voice of God? And maybe sometimes when you're angry, you just need to admit it to yourself and admit it to others and quit playing games with this emotion. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And here's where I want to stop for just a moment and think about what the Lord says to Cain right here because right now he's angry at himself, but he chooses to be angry at Abel. Now, here's another formula for being angry. If you want to go through life being angry, then obsess about what God is doing or not doing or what other people are doing. Start obsessing about other people all the time, and you will be an angry individual. 
For some reason, I'm reminded of that scene in Casablanca where Peter Lohr says to Bogart, uh, he says to Bogart, you must despise me, don't you? And Bogart says, yeah, I might despise you if I bothered to think about you. You know, all too often we're so focused on what is happening with other people and it gets us angry, okay? So we can either obsess about others or just obey ourselves. Why are you angry? Why are you downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? In other words, quit obsessing about other people. Confess what you've done wrong and obey God. You do you. You focus on obedience to the Lord. By the way, if you're always obsessing about what's happening with other people, by the way, there just went all of our entertainment news. If you're always obsessing about other people, you will be angry, and guess what? It's not going to change a thing. The only person you can change with God's help is you. Are you listening to the low, slow voice of the Lord right now? Who are you obsessing over? Just obey God. Confess your sins. And let's move on. So he goes on to say this, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Okay, so this is probably the most important part of this passage right here. Sin is crouching at your door. Actually, the word here means sin is coiled at your door like a snake. So let's reflect back on Genesis 3 for just a moment. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were given commands by God. You eat from this tree. You don't eat from this tree. But the snake came along and questioned God, implying God was a liar. You know what Adam and Eve should have done right then? They should have responded in anger. That a snake was in the garden saying that God was a liar. They should have picked up sticks and rocks at that moment and killed the snake. But there was no anger when there should have been anger. And now there is anger where there should not be anger. Cain was getting ready to take out his anger and his frustration on Abel. Why? Because he was disappointed with himself. And it is always easier to be angry than it is to admit that you're sad. It's easier to be angry than it is to admit that you are actually disappointed with yourself. It's easier to take it out on someone else than to attempt to obey God. So you must rule over it. Verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were out in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Jesus would make a connection in his teachings years later when he would say, you've heard it said in the Bible, do not, do not murder, but I tell you, don't be angry with your brother, okay? So what Jesus does is he traces murder back to its root emotion, and that is anger. And if those two seem like a leap, they shouldn't. I mean, look at what's happening in our world right now and all the violence that's rooted in anger. And just last century in all the wars around the world in the 1900s, 155 million people were killed. That's the fruit of anger. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? 
I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, this is a great question here. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. Yes, you are. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out for me from the ground. Now are you under a curse and you are driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Now, I want you to stop and pay attention to that phrase, restless wanderer. And here's one of my cues, one of my keys for biblical interpretation. You always want to look at phrases that repeat themselves. If there's a word or a phrase that in a certain passage repeats itself over and over again, that's what you should be paying attention to because that's what the author, that's what the Lord is trying to drive home. So here he curses Cain and said, you will be a restless wanderer. Okay, look for those words again. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. This is verse 13. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be, there's those words again, a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so, anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain. Now, down through history, we've interpreted this in a lot of different and very wrong ways, but we think this mark is a curse. Actually, this is a mark of grace. It's a mark of protection. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain that no one who found him would kill him. And Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod. So what does all this mean? I do think it's important to listen to the low, slow voice of God. Is there somebody in your family who you need to to reconcile with? Not that you're going to resolve all your differences, but you're going to say, you know what, our relationship is more important than any issue. Let's value our relationship more than whatever these ideas are. I think we need to stop playing the, the blame game and blaming other people for our anger. Listen, if we're obsessing about other people, we're always going to be angry. We just need to obey God for ourselves. Let God deal with other people as he chooses to. Again, I think too, and I I should have mentioned this more earlier, that it would have been very easy for Cain to say, Abel made me angry. You know who made Cain angry? Cain. The only person who can make you angry is you. And if you continue to tell yourself to be angry about everything all the time, you will be a restless wanderer. We have a choice on how we want to live. Do you really want to live restless the rest of your life? Or do you want to live restored? Restored in a right relationship with others that we practice patience with one another. None of us are finished yet and restored to a right relationship with God, and that we're not wandering about anymore, that we are, are given a place called home. And that place called home is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is home for us. And I believe that we are given a mark. We are given a mark of grace. What is that? As Christians, we believe the mark of grace is the cross. As the cross is over our lives, 
we remember that God has had grace on us and we are called to have grace and patience and love with other people. So there's a Chinese billionaire right now that is selling in China fresh air, canned fresh air. Now, I think part of it is a legitimate business model, but part of it is also a critique of the time that the air quality in China is so bad that for 80 American cents, you can buy a can of fresh air, open it, and breathe it. And this person is making a whole lot of money off fresh air. You know, we live in a world right now that is polluted by the smog of anger. And do we want to be like the rest of the world? Do we want to be restless wanderers who are angry all the time? Or do we want to be people who believe in reconciliation? Do we want to believe to be a people? Do we want to be a people who know what home is in a relationship with the Lord? And do we want to be people who live with the mark of grace on our life? The mark of the cross. And you think about it, the cross is a mark of anger used by the Romans that is now a mark of love for all eternity because it defines for us once and for all how much God will take to show his great love for us. If you don't have Christ in your life, you will be an angry individual. I believe you can't help but be an angry individual because it's in Christ that we discover the depths of God being love and him sacrificing himself on our behalf that he absorbed the anger of the universe so that we could live free and in love. If you've never said yes to Christ, it's time to do so right now. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your love modeled in Jesus Christ and your love modeled in the Holy Spirit that is transforming our character even now, as slow as it may be. We listen to your low, slow voice today. And maybe there's a family member we need to reconcile with. That perhaps we need to quit obsessing about other people and just obey you for ourselves. That perhaps we need to quit blaming others and take responsibility for ourselves. Most of all, would we realize that we no longer need to be restless wanderers living in anger, but we can be at home and at peace with you because of the mark of grace through the cross. I pray for your care over us today, and I pray for those who have never said yes to you that maybe right now today they would say yes to the love of God, to your love in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may God grant you peace both now and forever. Amen.